Welcome to the Bayshore Podcast. As listeners each week, whether through iTunes or through the church app, you're part of our church family. We would love for you to share stories of how Bayshore is impacting your life by sending us an email at amen at bayshorecc.org. As always, you can find all kinds of information and content on our website, bayshorecc.org. There's also our church app, which you could download by going to bayshorecc.org slash app. So thanks again for joining us this week, and we hope that today's message is a blessing to you. Great story. All right, so we're at a, we're at a family dinner. All right, and my brother, I'm talking to my brother and my parents, like, dining room, and my brother's phone beeps, and he looks at his phone, and he, he like, does this face. He's like, I'm like, well, what is it? Is, is everything okay? And he said, um, so I think I just bought a Ford Bronco by accident. I'm like, okay, how, how is that possible? We're at our parents' house eating pretzel salad. Like, how is that a possibility? And he said, well, I saw this Bronco on eBay the other day. And he said, I didn't really want it, but I bid on it for fun. <laughs> yeah, make a weird face, all right? And I'm like, this is going to be good. And um, he said, I knew I wasn't going to win. I knew someone would outbid me. They didn't. And I just got a notification that I'm a proud owner of a Bronco somewhere in Pennsylvania. That is 100% true. And I thought he was the only one. And then our drummer came up to me after the service and he said, I did the same thing except I I did that on Craigslist. And so anyway, this is why we're talking about money, people. Uh, But before we get rolling, I just want to tell you guys, I'm going to need a little help preaching today. I I twisted my knee on Friday and so I'm going to be like kind of peg-legging it up here. And I'm losing my voice. And so can you all like help me preach today? Can you like get in and help me? Come on, all right, that that sounds good. All right, I'm going to need that help today. Uh, Before we get rolling, I want to give a shout out to our Gumbro location, uh, my hometown of Gumbro. If you look at this camera right in the middle of the room, uh, right on the other side of that, um, our our Millsworth campus in Gumbro. I know it's confusing. I can't explain all that right now. But anyway, they are joining us for this entire series. And so Gumbro, I love it there, okay? I literally grew up in a trailer in the parking lot right there. I grew up getting Tasty Cakes from the Gumbro store. Praise the Lord for Tasty Cakes and the Gumbro store. And listen, Gumbro, I learned to love and appreciate Scrapple because of you all. And, and listen, these people in Rehoboth, they don't really know much about Scrapple like you all know. Maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. Um, but guys, I, I just want to welcome in our Millsboro location. I want to welcome in our online family that's joining us right now. And so let's get rowdy for, for Gumbro, for Scrapple, for our online family. Let's give it up. Thank you, guys. That's awesome. So I'm curious, who here you don't like Scrapple? Like the thought of eating mystery meat stresses you out. Let me, let me see your hands. Okay. Here's the good news is, you're going to live longer than the rest of us. (laughs) The bad news is, you're not going to get to eat Scrapple, okay? Um, But if food can stress us out, anything can stress us out, right? Uh, I'm curious, how many of you are stressed out when you see a snake, okay? Anybody get stressed about snakes? My people. Do you know why snakes stress us out? Because they're snakes. (laughs) In the first service, somebody yelled, they're the devil, okay? Like, they are... Scary, okay? Uh, what about flying? Does anybody get stressed out while you're flying on an airplane? Anybody at all? What if you're on the middle, in the middle seat? That's the worst right there, right there, huh? All right, what about um, 
Who gets stressed out about snakes on an airplane? <laughs> then you add Samuel L. Jackson to the mix, all sorts of stress right there. All right, uh, couples, uh, give me a little wink if your spouse or, or your boyfriend or girlfriend driving stresses you out. Just a little wink. Some of you are like, forget the wink. Hands up, okay? <laughs> yeah, look, I know all about it. Listen, riding with Stacy, it, it's like snakes in the family minivan, okay? It's all sorts of stressful. But all sorts of things can stress us out. And have you ever noticed that stress just kind of jumps out of nowhere and surprises us? You know, I see it coming, okay? Like, for instance, last Friday night, our, our family decided to have a game night. And we have all these, like, classic games for the kids, okay? We have, we have Hungry Hippos. you remember that one? We have the little, little fishing game where you get a little plastic fishing pole and a little fish go around. We, 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 we play that one. But the game we played last Friday night with our kids is Trouble. Come on, Trouble. I love this game. Okay, now if you don't know how Trouble works, you got this little die in the middle and you got to pop it to get a six. And when you get a six, you, your guy gets out on the board and you're supposed to get all your guys around the board and get them into home base. Okay, that, that's how you went. And so we started playing this with my five-year-old and my three-year-old. We were like, this is going to be such a great night. And my daughter, Nora, um, she's popping this, and, and she can't get a six to save her life. Like, she, it's just like, it's statistically impossible how many times she popped this and did not get a six. Now, my boy, Nixon, he's popping sixes like it's his job. He's owning the family, okay? And so, like, he's so pumped about this. Now, you just need to know, there are two people in my family that melt down when they're not winning a game. I'm talking like snakes on a plane melt down. And one of those is Nora, you know, my, my five-year-old. And the other one, um, we're not going to name her. Her name may rhyme with Tracy, but we will not say her name. Anyway, so Nora can't pop a six, and so she is just losing it. She starts crying. There's like snot running down her face. It's starting to get stressful. But Nixon, he keeps on banging out sixes like he's a math teacher, man. He's like six, six, every single time. So we said to Nora, we're like, okay, Nora, if, if you get a six or one, you can get out. Okay, two more. That's an extra number. Okay, she statistics can't even make this work. She could not get a six to save her life. And so she's crying even more. Nixon is getting even happier because he's doing so well. And if you ever have like been around a three-year-old when they get happy, sometimes they lose control of their body. <laughs> so he started losing control of himself and his head starts going around, okay? <laughs> this is completely true. And he's so excited. Nora's crying. Nixon's head's spinning around. And he just face plants into the trouble game. Cuts his eyebrow open. So now Nixon is bleeding. Nora is screaming. It's like next level stress up in my house. <laughs> All because of trouble right here. Okay, like how many of you have had some stress, any kind of stress, some stress, trouble, stress, whatever. You've experienced some stress in life. Yeah, that's everybody in the room. And here's the deal. Stress, you know what stresses us out the most? Not, not trouble. Money. Money is the number one thing that stresses us out. We have, we have a slide to, to show you. Um, the psychological, um, it's the American Psychological Association did this study about what stresses us out the most. The number one thing is money. 69% of us are stressed out about money. But I think it's interesting how it keeps on going. The number two thing that stresses us out is work, which is where we go to earn what? Money. money. 
The number three thing is the economy, which is what everybody else does with their money. The number four thing is the family, which is who you spend your money on. Come on now. And then the last thing is health, which costs us a bunch of money. Everybody say, I am stressed out. And you know why money stresses us out? Because a 2018 study shows that 58% of Americans, that's like six in 10 of us almost, have less than $1,000 saved. Less than $1,000 saved. Hold on, 32% have $0 saved. And so no wonder we're stressed out. Because when, when trouble hits, which have you ever noticed that trouble hits? Okay, like, you know, the roof starts leaking. Or the lawnmower, it's springtime, the lawnmower starts smoking. I've driven that lawnmower before. Or, or if you don't have any money and then the oil truck pulls into the driveway and you're like, oh, no, no, not today. Okay, will you take IOUs or can I put my dog on eBay or something? Like, I can't do this. Because when we don't have any money, it just stresses us out. 69% of us are stressed out about money because 58% of us have less than $1,000 saved. And I don't say that to make anybody feel bad. But I say that because this has so many helpful tips for what we can do so that we're not so much so stressed about money. And so today, it's all about saving and investing. It's one of those practical series we've ever done here. And today's about saving and investing so that when trouble hits, you don't feel like you're stuck on a plane with snakes. So are you guys ready? You guys ready? Okay, so in the room and in our Millsboro campus, okay, there are two types of people. All right, and uh, some of you are naturally savers, and then some of you have the spiritual gift of spending. We have savers and we have spenders. Now, I don't know if you know which one you are, so we're going to play a little game called you might be a saver or a spender if game. So um, you might be a spender, just kind of listen up in the room, kind of figure out which one you are. You might be a spender if you accidentally buy a Ford Bronco on eBay, Right? <laughs> You might be a spender if you're on a first-name basis with the FedEx guy because you order so much from Amazon. You might be a spender if you're sort of sweating right now because you know I'm talking about you. <laughs> so spenders are the fun people in the room. If, you, if you're a spender, just give me a woohoo! <laughs> All right, there you go. All right, now savers. Not to say you're not the fun people in the room, but savers, you're, you think couponing is a professional sport. You might be a saver if you buy single-ply toilet paper, <laughs> right? You, you might be a saver if you think budget night is the most exciting night in your house. And if you're a saver, you're a little bit nerdy. So where are the nerds at in the rooms? In the room, okay? Okay, yeah, there you go. No woohoos from the nerds. All right, I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm with you. And what's interesting is the savers married the spenders, which is fun how that works, isn't it? But we're all naturally wired a certain way. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just kind of how we're naturally wired. But if we want to stress less, we have to save some more. And that's something that we learn from the Bible. So go with me to Proverbs chapter 6, starting in verse 6. And here's what Solomon says. He says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Don't you like it when you come to church and the Bible calls you a sluggard? <laughs> it's like, welcome to base yours, you sluggard. Okay, anyway. But Solomon, he's trying to get our attention. So he says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Here's what ants do. Okay, consider its ways and be what? Wise. Wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet ants, they, they st it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Everybody say, the ant saves. Yeah. 
The ant saves. And so Solomon's like, hey, everybody, base your Millsboro, base your Rehoboth. He says, he says, hey, you want to be wise? You want to be wise? Do you? He says, just look at the ants and do what the ants do. Now, what do ants do? Here's what ants do. If, you, if you've ever been like in, in the summertime, if you've ever been eating like some rofo fried chicken, come on, somebody. And you drop your rofo fried chicken leg into the grass, what happens? It starts moving. <laughs> ants start carrying it away, right? They're taking it down to the little ant hill so they can save some, so they can eat some later. Ants know, hey, I'm going to be hungry one day. Ants know that one day it's going to rain and kind of mess up the little ant hill. You ever thought about that? You like rainstorms. Ants, it's the end of their life. Okay, so anyway, they know, and so they don't eat it all now. They save some for when? Later. And isn't it true? We know an emergency is going to come one day. We know that the kids are going to need braces. Lord help Bo Dukes, his family. Well, we know we're going to retire one day, and so we shouldn't spend it all now. We should save some for later. And so this is really basic, but we're going to um, break down what we save for, okay? There's three things that we save for, and I have some buckets to show you this. First off, we save for emergencies. Then we save for purchases. And then we save for the future, okay? So we save for emergencies. We save for what? Purchases and the future. All right, let's, let's look at each one. We save for emergencies. Okay, now, getting a brand new Bronco for the beach this summer is not an emergency, right? Ladies, like buying five pairs of stretchy pants because it's on sale on Tuesday is not an emergency, is it? No. It was like, like uh, maybe. It, I mean, it could be an emergency. depends how nice those stretchy pants are. Anyway, <laughs> but an emergency is the kids flush the little dinosaur toy down the toilet. Or you're driving your 1989 Honda Accord down Revel Road in Millsboro and your axle brakes while you're riding. Or when the showerhead starts shooting water all over your bathroom. That's an emergency. I know this because those are my emergencies right there. <laughs> and um, my most recent emergency happened about a month ago. I was driving down Route 24 in my little Civic. I was behind somebody. So I was going 24 miles per hour. Route 24, that's how that works. And, um, and so I decided to like peel off and stop at the, the Royal Farms. This, this message is brought to you by Royal Farms. I'm talking about them a lot, okay? <laughs> but I stopped in there to get a drink. Now, what, what kind of drink did I go in there to get? <laughs> this is a church that knows their pastor, okay? So I go get a glorious Mountain Dew, and I walk out to my car to go start it up, and uh, it won't start. Now, I don't know anything about cars, I'm a, I'm a man of the cloth, you guys. I have no idea. <laughs> but it sounded like the battery was dead to me. And so I got this guy to help me kind of to try to jump it, and that didn't work. And so the guy's like, hey, man, it, it sounds like your starter to me. And I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what it sounds like to me too. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, and so I had to call a tow truck to come, like, get my, my car. And it took two hours for them to get to Rofo. And so I spent two hours in the Royal Farms parking lot. I don't know if anybody's done this before. Just me, my Mountain Dew, and half of Sussex County just hanging out at Royal Farms. And, and let me just tell you, it's a, little, it's a little sketchy in the parking lot of Royal Farms. I mean, not everybody's able to buy fried chicken, if you know what I'm talking about. And so it's true. So I just kind of hold myself up in my Civic, you know, just anyway. So I'm sitting there. 
And finally, the tow truck guy comes and he takes my little Civic on an ambulance ride. And I took a picture of it just because I was proud of my car getting lifted like it was. And so he took it down the road to the mechanic. And, um, and once I got there, this, is, this was a Thursday at 11 o'clock. Everybody I know is working. So I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get home. So I literally downloaded Uber. I never Ubered before, okay? And I'll be honest, I was a little scared to Uber because... You know, you get in a car with a stranger, and I saw what strangers were doing in the car at the Royal Farms parking lot. And so anyway, I was like, not sure about it. <laughs> Long story short, it was my starter, and it cost $634 to get this car going 24 miles an hour down Route 24 again. And that is an emergency. How many of you have had a, a money emergency before? You've had a money, money emergency? Yeah, it's stressful, right? Especially if you don't have money, and you're thinking about becoming an Uber driver or something. And so we save for those moments. The second thing we save for are purchases. Ladies are like, huh? we save for purses. That's what we save for. Okay, no, purchases. And so we, we save for the couch. We save for the family dog that you want to add, okay? And last weekend we talked about debt. So, we're, you know, the borrower saved the lender. So we want to save for those things instead of going into debt for those things. And I remember when me and Stacy first got married, Stacy wanted a, a dog. Now, when Stacy and I got married, we, we didn't have any money. Okay, like we we're, were so poor, we thought about going to KFC and licking other people's fingers. Like we had no money. <laughs> Don't picture it, okay? <laughs> but we didn't have any money, and so what we did is we started a little puppy fund. And we got an envelope, and we colored a little dog on it in the yard, and we put puppy fund on there. And so every time we got paid, we would put as much as we could into the puppy fund until we got $250 which is enough for Stacy to go out and buy a Dash Hound and a Chihuahua mix, which you, if you don't know like the, the technical name of those, it's called a Chihuahua. <laughs> and that puppy fund turned into my boy Eli. And here's a picture of Eli right here this week. Yeah, don't laugh at his ears because he can hear you from here. <laughs> he, he hears all. Okay, anyway. But we save for that purchase. So we save for emergencies, we save for purchases, and then we save for the future. Because, you know, the kids are going to need braces, or they're going to need to go to college, or you're going to want to retire and go to Bob Evans twice on Tuesday. Whatever you got to do, you want to save for the future. And so we save for emergencies, purchases, and the future. Now, now you probably track with that, but you might be thinking, okay, that sounds great, but um, where does this savings come from? And if you're here with me on week one, I showed you how we eat up our income with some M&Ms. And everybody got some M&Ms, and it was like, I poured M&Ms all over the stage. It was great. But then the, the cleaning staff told me I wasn't allowed to pour any more M&Ms on the stage, okay? So I'm going to remind you about how we eat up our income with some Easter eggs today, okay? So I got some Easter eggs up here, and I want you to imagine that these Easter eggs, they represent your income. We got 10 Easter eggs, and we got four jars, and these four jars represent how the average person spends their 10 eggs. Okay, so on average, the average person spends 30% on the house. Three out of 10 eggs that come into us normally go to the house, homeowner's insurance, fixing the hot water heater or the shower that's sprinkling your bathroom, okay? 30% goes towards the house. Another 30% goes to food and the car. It's technically 28%. But I rounded up to 30 because I didn't want to bring more eggs out here. So 30% goes to food in the car. 20% goes towards health. 
And so when you got to go see the orthopedic because you got a bum knee, you know, it costs a lot of money. So 20% on average goes towards health. And so how much do we have left? 20%. We have two eggs. And guys, we love these eggs. These are, these are your eggs. If you've ever seen Lord of the Rings, this, this is your precious right here. Because <laughs> this is your trip to Disney World. These are those stretchy pants on sale, ladies, okay? This is the like, trips to the golf club. We spend about 20% on personal expenses. We love these, okay? So they go in there. Now, do we have anything left? No. Everything just is accounted for, which is why we don't have much saved. Why 58% of us don't have any or less than $1,000 saved is because we just got 100% in and 100% went out. And so here's just my thought. What if you took one egg from your precious jar, your personal jar? You took one egg out of every paycheck and you just saved it for later. So every time you got paid, you just start putting it in the emergency bucket. And once you get like three to six months worth of expenses saved so that when the Civic breaks down, you're okay, then you move on to purchases because you want to purchase another car one day because your Civic keeps on breaking down on you. And so you start saving for purchases. Once you save for that car or, you know, the, the Disney trip or whatever, then every paycheck, you start saving for the future. You start saving for those Bob Evans trips until you have all these in your buckets. Now, if you had this much saved for emergencies, purchases, and the future, are you stressed out now? No, you, you, you're prepared for it. You're ready for those things. That's what the ants do. Now, every time you get paid, you got to say, hey, you got to say to this one, you got to say, hey, man, you got to go in a bucket. You got to make it go in the bucket. Because if you notice that if you don't make it go in one of these buckets that they roll away, <laughs> you ever notice that? Look, that one went to Amazon. Look, these three, this is the culture pearl. It's sushi night right here, right? <laughs> There's Pier 1 over there like, isn't that true? They just kind of go away. And so you got to tell them where to go so you're ready for these moments. And so we save, like the ants, we save for emergencies, for purchases, and for the future. That, that's the saving side of things. Now, let's, let's kind of shift real quick to um, investing. All right, now, tonight is Sunday night, and uh, Sunday night is pay night for my kids and I always tell them that there's two ways that we make money. And we'll put this on the screen. Okay, first off, people make money. When you go to work, you, you get paid, okay? The second thing I tell my kids is that money makes money. And so let's start with people make money. We know that when we go to work, you know, you make money. That's why you put up with your crazy boss and those crazy clients and that person in your cubicle that eats canned tuna fish for lunch, okay? We go to work, we get paid. And um, this is what... This is what um, Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 10 says. It says, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat, which means when we work, we make money and we provide for ourselves. Um, the second thing is that money makes money. Everybody say, interest. Interest, interest baby. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but in Matthew 25, Jesus tells a story it's called the story or the parable of the, the talents. And a, a talent is just a fancy word for, for money, okay, or egg. And so Jesus, in this story, there's a master, and, and the master gives one guy one egg. He gives another guy two eggs, and he gives another guy five eggs. And the guy who he gives one egg, okay, the master ends up leaving, and the guy who gave one egg, he, like, buried it in the backyard. 
And when the master came back, he just gave him one egg back, and the master wasn't like too pumped about that. But the guy he gave five eggs to, he took his five eggs, and he put his eggs to work, his money to work, and he earned five more. And so he had a total of 10 eggs. And so his money made money. And so when I think about money being invested that gets interest, I think of like, like bunnies. Everybody just think that every dollar in your pocket that you invest is like a little, little bunny. When you, when you put bunnies, a bunch of bunnies together, and you let them do a bunch of bunny things, what do they make a lot more of? A lot more bunnies. Lots of bunnies, okay? Lots of, lots of bunnies. And so that's how interest or money that we gain interest on is it, like a bunch of bunnies. It makes more money. And so money makes money. And there's, for that to work, I'm going to give you two quick rules, okay? For money to make money, rule number one is don't invest in things that you don't understand. Don't invest in things you don't understand. Look at Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 through 4. And we'll throw this on the screen. It says, by wisdom, a house is built. And through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. The point is, you got to get it before you get it. Everybody say, I, I got to get it before I get it. Okay, so um, I have a question because this is talking about wisdom and understanding and knowledge. Okay, so th th I have a question. And this question, this is a layup. This is easier than a scrapple question. This is not a trick question, okay? How many of you, Millsboro, get in on this, all right? How many of you, by show of hands, you want to be a great investor? You would like to be a great investor? Good. That's, that's almost everybody in the room, which is interesting, but that's cool. Um, so, look, to be a great investor, I'm glad a lot of you raised your hand on that. To be a great investor, you got to understand what you're investing in. Well, one of the things that I try to live by is if I can't make sense of it, I don't want to put my sense into it. If I can't make sense of it up here, I don't want to put my sense into it. And I learned that when I was about 20 years old, okay? And here's how. There was this guy who was a part of our church who was just like a regular guy. He's about 50 years old, and um, he drove a regular car. He lived in a regular house. He, like, had a regular job. But I had heard that he had paid off his mortgage when he was in his 30s. And I had heard that he was able to send his kids to college debt-free, and I had heard that he had saved a bunch of money, and I knew he was super generous to the church. And so I thought, I want to be that guy one day. And so I invited him to go to lunch because I thought, you know, I'm going to ask him about this. And, you know, who knows? Maybe he wants to contribute to a puppy fund that I have. Okay? I don't know. <laughs> and so I go to lunch with him, and I'm like, hey, man, how did you do this? And he told me so many great things at lunch. But one of the things he told me in a diner in Selbyville is he said, before you invest in anything, you got to understand it first. He said, if you can't explain it, then you don't get it, which is really good advice because I remember not long after that, okay, I'm barely 20 years old, um, this guy I know approached me and he wanted me to invest in his business. And he had all these like fancy, you know, colorful brochures and um, his business was he wanted me to give him money so I could sell super fruit for him. Now, I was 20, I didn't know what super fruit was, okay? I, I found out that it's just like, it's like regular fruit, it's just super expensive, okay? And so he told me this is how it would work. Okay, he said, if you sell a bunch of this super fruit, then you'll make money. But if you get some of your friends who are all like 20-somethings to sell this super fruit underneath you, then you'll make even more money. And if they get their friends to sell super fruit underneath them, and then you, you're going to make money from them, 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 and all, all these people. And I'm like trying to draw this out in my head. I'm like, okay, I'm up here, and my friends are under here. And then, then it's like, oh, I'm like, okay, so, okay. Oh, that's a triangle. Okay, that's a pyramid. Okay, I got it. Okay. So I understood that part of it. 
And, and, and you just be careful if you're in, in some of that. None of that's, not all of that's bad. But what I didn't understand was that how I was going to sell this superfruit. Because he told me a package of superfruit was like 30 to, it's like a type of fruit that is, a, it's super, I guess. I don't know. Um, and it costs 30 to $40 for the package of it. I'm like, 30 to $40? Can't you buy a banana for a quarter? <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, who am I going to sell this to? All my friends are broke 20-something-year-olds. Like, the idea for us to splurge is going to Taco Bell and upsizing our drink. Like, that's as much as, it, like, as far as it goes. And so I didn't do it because I couldn't make sense of how that would work. And I'm glad I didn't because um, everybody who invested in it, the guy, he, his company failed. And everybody who gave him money lost their money. And, and, and it's all because, like, no one knew what a superfruit was 16 years ago. And, and bananas are a quarter, I guess. I, I don't know. I didn't understand it. I couldn't explain it. And so I didn't invest in it. And so, you know, don't invest in things that you don't understand. And if it doesn't make sense up here, it's not always smart to give your sense to it. Here's the second rule for money to make money is don't put all your eggs into one basket. You remember like grandma saying that right there? Don't put all your eggs into one basket. Now, this is actually biblical. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 2. It says this, divide your investments among many places. Everybody say, lots of baskets. Baskets everywhere, man, okay? Divide your investments among many places, for you don't know what risks might lie ahead. Did, did you know the Bible talks about money like this? I just, I love this verse. It's so clear. And, and you might say, okay, well, what does this verse really mean for me today, okay? It means don't put your entire life savings into Bitcoin. Or in the Facebook stock, just because you saw like a seven-year-old at Starbucks who was like on his iPhone or whatever. Or don't put your entire like personal savings into one piece of property because if something happens to that property, then you're going to be in trouble. Dave Ramsey says, investing is like manure. Everybody say manure. <laughs> you're ready to say that in church. All right. So he says, you leave it all in one place and it stinks. But if you spread it around, it makes things grow. It makes things grow. Uh, I remember I told you guys on week one that when I was like 22-ish, um, I, I bought my first piece of property. And I bought it for $100,000 because a family friend of mine uh, told me that uh, I could sell it in two years for about $150,000. And I thought, well, I can buy a lot of Taco Bell for that right there. Maybe it's a super for who knows? I don't know. And, um, and so I borrowed, I, and I, didn't, I took everything I had, which was $5,000 at the time, as my down payment. And then I borrowed $95,000 from the bank for the, the rest of it because in two years, man, I was going to be living on it. This is all I had, man. And then two years later, the real estate market like crashed and burned. Okay. It looked like a pinata at the end of a five-year-old's birthday party. I mean, it was just like beat down. And so that piece of property didn't make me that extra $50,000. I ended up losing $60,000 on that. $60,000. Okay, so if you've been like sitting here through the series, like, you know, Elvin, your husband, like, I can't believe you did something so stupid with our money. Why can't you be like Pastor Joel? <laughs> he might be just like Pastor Joel, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I've done all sorts of stupid, man. And, um, and so the worst part is, if I had taken that $5,000, and I didn't put it in one basket, but I put it in like the market in a lot of different baskets, and I left it there for 14 years, okay, if it performed like the market's done the last decade, I wouldn't have lost $60,000. I would have made $48,000. I would have been driving around down Route 24 in my Civic like, like this guy right here. Woo! 
money flying off my face, can fix my car. Look, like, that doesn't look stressful at all, does it? And so don't put all your eggs in one basket because if, if one thing goes wrong and this thing breaks, man, that stinks. But if you spread it around, it makes things grow. So don't, don't invest in things you don't understand. Don't put your eggs all in one basket. And so how do we do that? Okay, how do we save for these things? We're, we're just taking one egg out of 10 and, and we're, we're saving for a rainy day. That's what the ants do. Now, let me, let me ask you a question, and this is, this is a layup question too, okay? Um, how many of you think if you got crazy motivated and you like budgeted like crazy, you could figure out how to save one egg out of 10? Like if you budget like crazy, you could figure out, I can, I can figure out how to live on 99 out of 10 of these eggs. Let, let me see your hands again. You, can, you think you can do this. Okay, that's awesome. Now, let, let me show you what this means for the average person. The average person spends $164 a day. Now, you don't think you actually spend that, but that's total all in. That's the cost um, for, for living for the average person. So that's, that's your mortgage. That's the car payment. That is everything for you to operate. It costs us about $164 a day. That's how our standard of living is. So 10% of that is rounded, up, rounded down. It's like $16, right? So if you save $16 every day, because you, you did crazy budgeting, all right? You got super nerdy. If you did that, if you just saved $16 a day and you did it every day for 10 years, and you got about a 10% rate of return, you would have $99,000. That's good. Well, let's say you kept going. 20 years, you would have $368,000. In 30 years, you would have $1.1 million. And for those of you who are 20 and 20s, Renata, all right, if you, if you did it for 40 years, you'd have over $3 million. That's just by saving one egg. One egg. Okay, put that picture of that guy up there again on the screen. You're this guy. You know, like sometimes it's like money's flying off your face. I mean, that's $3 million. That's just saving one egg. Be the ant. Be the ant. Be the ant. So let me ask you one more time. How many of you would like to be a great investor one day? You'd like to be a great investor. Okay, that's awesome. I'm praying that for you. I'm hoping that happens for you. Okay, I want you to be that guy riding around on the boat with, you know, all, all, all that. But never forget, money's not the only thing that we invest if you look at Jesus, all right, like you don't see him spending all his time talking about saving for retirement so he can go to the, the Jerusalem Par 3 Country Club. You don't. You remember it, hopefully. Anyway, well, what did Jesus do? Jesus invested in people. He invested in relationships. He invested in showing his love to other people. And he wasn't financially rich, but he was rich in what mattered most. And that's what my hope is for you more than anything is that you'll be rich in what matters most in life. Money is just a small part of our life that we can use to do a whole lot of good. But I hope you invest in your marriages. I hope you invest in your kids. I hope you invest in your character. I hope you invest in your company at work. I hope you invest in our church because when you do those things, you'll, be, you'll have a rich marriage. You'll have a rich relationship with your kids. You, you have a rich reputation in our community. You, you'll have a rich church experience. Is anybody down for any of that? Yeah. That is what matters more than anything. Money is, money is just a tool. And, and by the way, if you happen to get some money along the way because you, you do this stuff, I want you to know that it's not all for you. It's from God to be used for him to make him famous so that you can show other people his love. It, it's, just, it's just a tool. And we can use it to do a whole lot of good. And by the way, when you save some, you'll stress a whole lot less. 
And when you start to forget that, just remember the ants. And remember that piece of ro-fro fried chicken walking across the grass. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, I'm so thankful that your word is so practical. What Solomon had to say about, you know, spreading investments around and, and, and the illustration with the ants. It's just in your story about the, the parable, the talents. It's, it's so interesting how you, you got so practical because, guys, or God, that's where we live. And so, God, I just pray that you'll help us uh, to, to take this information and be very practical with it and do something with it. And ultimately, God, I pray that our trust won't be in our bank account because where our trust needs to be is it needs to be in you. And God, everything that comes to us is just from you to be used for you, God. And I just pray that you'll help us to remember that. And God, for all the different financial situations in this room, there's, there's a lot of stress. Uh, there's different situations that, that are, are represented here. God, I just pray that you'll give peace. You'll give peace in the area of money to this church. That you'll help us to know that it's not all on us. You're, you're going to help carry this weight with us. But God, I pray that you'll help remind us that we got to be practical along the way to do things according to your word. And we just love you and we thank you for how you guide us in your name. Amen.